Hello and welcome to the Cadaver Lab Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Mike. Hey, I'm Paul. And I'm Sam. And it's college football season. It is college football season. We realize that this is a podcast focused on horror movies and everything about horror, but we've just got to celebrate the opening of college football, opening kickoff this weekend. That's right. And you know what my favorite part of college football is? What? It's got to be the announcers. Okay. (laughs) I would have said cheerleaders or the actual (laughs) sport itself. Do you guys have a favorite announcer? No. My favorite is Brent Musburger. Why? Have you seen that guy? He looks like well, he's a little I know bit who off. He is. He's a little bit off. He's, sure. But uh you know, he's got that weird voice too. He, he thinks he's gotta like sell it at a carnival or something. He's always like, I'm Brad Musburger on CBS and I've got a touch of downs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Look know, at my eyes, I've got a touch of downs. You know, that is that is very offensive and I <laughs> I really do not condone any of that. I'm sorry, I thought I could do his voice better. No, your voice was fine. <laughs> I, actually, I can't remember what he sounds like. Yeah, he all sounds all exactly like that. Drums, but Look, it's <laughs> yeah. Peyton Manning on CBS, and he's got a touch of downs. <laughs> Does he say that every time he <laughs> no, opens no. his mouth or what? <laughs> Pretty much. I don't hear anything else. No, I, I like college football. I, Brent, I love you if you're listening. <laughs> well, I doubt he is. I, th- I, feel, I feel like it's safe to say that he's not. Okay. <laughs> So is uh, is there anything we wanted to mention before we start and do the show? We're getting we're getting more busy. <laughs> we're getting more busy. There's a lot of people that are emailing and calling and yeah yeah and stuff like that. So we appreciate it. We definitely like the input. Yeah, I've actually been emailing back and forth with a bunch of different guys from podcasts. For instance, the Drunken Zombie podcast. Brian over there. He actually I don't know if you remember last episode how I had a couple of uh, mistakes. Yeah, he he wasted me on them. Oh, really? No, he didn't waste me. He was really nice about it. Do we have mistakes from this last one? I don't, not that I know of yet, so okay. we're going to assume either, that we're mistake-free. Either that or people are just like, they're hopeless. Yeah, exactly. They're funny, but hopeless. Yeah. <laughs> also, I've been emailing back and forth with Jeff from It Came From The Basement. Uh, they're a brand new podcast, too. They started about the same time we did, except for they've got out probably double the amount of episodes. Wow. Yeah. Wow, they're really getting after it. And we they, put in quality, not quantity. What, what, what Are you saying something about it came from the basement? Oh, no. I think they're quality, too. I'm just saying that we had a goal in mind of focusing on quality, not quantity. Uh, you're a douchebag. <laughs> but, uh, no, but those guys actually already talked about, I think, the Lost Boys and... The, the Evil Dead trilogy. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Was it after us? It was like at the same time, but we hadn't heard of each other. That's okay. Hey, well, that's cool, great man. minds think alike. That's well, right. Here, and here's what I think it is, too. Uh, you know, we just started. We want to get some of our favorites out of the way. You know, I mean, we just kind of have the same favorites. The Evil Dead trilogy and The Lost Boys are all awesome. You Listen, know? I... I have no problem with people talking about these movies because the more words we get out about them, then the more people are going to watch them. So I have, I think that's great. Well, and now they're branching off, starting to get into not as popular of subject, just like we are. Right. You know? Today's show, I feel like, is going to be awesome. I'm excited. I really liked, uh, I liked the topic a lot. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Three Mothers trilogy by Dario Argento. I'm not, I'm not ready to go on to it yet. But I'm not done. But I am stoked. I watch, we watch these three movies, and I love them. Yeah, we're wetting the appetite of the audience. Because we are. I like these movies a lot, and I've got a lot to say about them. Well, Sam having a lot to say, that is shocking. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> well, our theme is about witches this, this week mm-hmm. and stuff, and kind of the three mothers are all witches. Mm-hmm. As I was driving to the podcast tonight, mm-hmm. I thought I saw a witch. 
turned out it was a mute singing to her music. I had to take a double look, though. A mute singing to what music? <laughs> it was sign language. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I swear. How many people are we going to wow. offend before we even get into our topic? I, you know, yeah. Or oh, I, my I gosh. Apologize. I don't think that's offensive. That's how they have to do it. Listen, anybody that has Down syndrome or can't talk, I apologize right now. Well, that's because Sam's got... I do. I do want to mention one other thing. I know I mention this practically every episode, but I am almost done with Keith Latch's book, The Cemetery Things, or just Cemetery Things. That dude is sick. Really? Yeah, I've been emailing back and forth. We've been like email pen pals. I didn't know the type of dude I was emailing. Seems like a normal dude in email. Yeah. But uh not in the book. Not no, right. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Keith is awesome. Go to his site, KeithLatch.com. I actually did a... Uh, chapter. I, I, yeah, I read a chapter for his book called Omega the Novel, or Omega Earth's Hero. And so check that out. I, I read chapter 12. I think it's his next episode coming out on the podcast, so check that out. It was pretty fun. It, it, was, uh, it was different than this is. Right now, we just get a BS for a while. You know, it's funny because I went in and I cut it up into digestible pieces and i read it before you know before i actually recorded it so i didn't sound like an idiot how long did it take you um it took me about an hour to do the whole thing i think it was about a 13 minute chapter took me 13 minutes to do well you read it for his podcast yeah well that's awesome yeah so go check it out if you can stand my voice i mean i was emailing back and forth and i'm like keith you realize that I mean, I don't know if you've heard my podcast, but my voice cracks constantly, (laughs) and I sound like a girl, especially (laughs) next to you. (laughs) But anyway, go check it out. Anything else? Let's get going. Let's do it, What are we waiting for? I don't know. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this stuff. All right. Uh, I took a a couple of notes. First of all, The Three Mothers involves, you know, obviously it's a trilogy, three movies, Suspiria, Inferno, and... and, uh, the Mother of Tears, they were all directed by Dario Argento. And I want to talk a little bit about, about him as a, uh, as a director in, in his style because there's de- the definite style throughout these, wouldn't you guys say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep, there is. So he's from Italy. He actually started in a genre of film known as the giallo, and I'm sure that all you guys listening have heard of that. Uh, basically what they were were extreme movies that usually dealt with mystery or they were thrillers they basically had extreme violence extreme gore uh lots of nudity and lots of sex you know but but they were set in a, a kind of a murder mystery most of the time why did he move out of that i mean i don't i don't see any problem with well, he, why he, would you want to expand I, from that well and here's the deal <laughs> i don't think he did I, I don't think he moved out of it i did think he expanded though because instead of the murder mystery he actually went supernatural, and I think all the movies that we watch today could be considered, or, or this week could be considered mysteries. Yeah, 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 yeah they definitely, definitely were. Yep. Uh, as we talk about these movies today, you will definitely, uh, we should mention that they have their own style, and and this was kind you mean of each one individually has their own style, right? Well, right. I would say the first two styles well, are similar. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. But I, I think agree. that all came from the giallo style, where you know they had. I don't know, so, some parts of it were kind of really br- like brutal to watch, you know, kind of a little bit crazy. If you Well, I think so. I was watching somewhere, reading something about it, that it's kind of an operatic style. Yeah. 
where it's kind of, you know, you have the drama involved and, and you know, you, you hear the music coming at certain points and it's, I, you know, the music was written specifically, specifically for these movies. Yeah. Right. You know, it wasn't synthesizer stuff. I mean, this was like, this was like orchestra type, really in-depth music, which I, I really liked. Right. It was great. Yeah. It was, it was actually basically, I would say, a progressive rock band. Yeah, yeah. Set up, set up. The first one was the Goblins, who also actually did oh, yeah. Dawn of the Dead, uh, George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. They weren't in the second one. I can't remember who did the soundtrack, but they were all fairly. I mean, I mean, it was like just a whole score that you know. Uh, that's that the a, word I'm looking for. Yeah, know, almost like a Yes or a, maybe even an older Rush type of feel to it. I don't know. I was watching a documentary, and I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was all about the '80s slashers, like Friday the Thirteenth. Halloween, and they all, practically, they said that it was these Giallo movies that inspired him. In fact, hmm. it, it went through a little segment where it would show, you know, a death from like, a, for instance, Friday the 13th. I don't know if you guys remember when Kevin Bacon got a spear through his neck. Then I it, don't. Th- then it cut over to, I, and I can't remember which movie, maybe I should have watched that too. And it showed the, practically the same scene, you know, and it did that back and forth and and it was, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Of course, being in the U.S. and, you know, being the age that we are, I mean, I grew up watching those. Yeah. My parents didn't know I was watching them, but I did. And, uh, you know, we have, basically, we have the, the Giallos to thank for that. Yeah. A lot of the Giallo directors, or some of the most recognizable Giallo directors were Mario Bava, uh, Lucio Fulci started, he, he kind of did the same thing. I don't, are you guys familiar with him? No, we are definitely gonna have to do a show on him because he is the he ha, he's made the only movie that's actually made me barf. Really? <laughs> are you serious? I am dead serious. Well, I'll tell you the story real quick. What happened? I, I put on Lucio Fulci, City of the Living Dead. We I lived up in this house and it had terrible air conditioning, and so it was always hot in there. And I remember I got done working out, running on the treadmill or something like that. My wife had an egg sandwich ready for me. You know, egg. Mayonnaise and Girl. bread. <laughs> I, this is not gonna I love egg sandwiches. Give me a break. No, they're delicious. No, they are good. So I get done working out. My wife gives me this lunch. I go into the TV room, throw on City of the Living Dead, and uh, <laughs> no. I mean, you probably know the rest. There was a scene with maggots and worms in a body. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the sound effects, but I felt like that could probably help out my story. I think that we have a lot. We, we owe a lot to Argento and these Giallo movies. Uh, it was funny because I was actually I got an email from Jeff over at It Came from the Basement. He said he's excited to hear us talk about this because he hasn't enjoyed Argento's earlier movies. And I told him that I liked the Mother of Tears, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'll be glad to get your take on that." Let me read it here. Um, he said, "I am so torn on the third Mother." Torn as in, I don't know if I want to watch it or not. Argento's last few films have been rubbish, and one more terrible film may push me over to the edge to just downright hating the man. First of all, we don't need you to hate him. He's nice. I met him personally. He's a good guy. <laughs> I'm lying. I was going to say, wow, brush with greatness. No, I have not. Well, what, for him or me? Uh, oh! Wow. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but, uh, and then I mentioned he, uh, Argento actually did a couple of... Uh, Masters of Horror, you know, on the Showtime Network, and he did Jennifer and Pelts. Jennifer was a great flick, or was a great episode. It had lots of bees in it, but the head attached to the bees was disgusting, and it was freaky. It, it was a good episode. Pelts had uh, Bob, who had bitch tits. 
meaning uh, meatloaf. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I told him about that. He said, yeah, those are good. But he mentioned that a lot of his movies, you know, he said that his last good one was opera, which I think was made in the late 80s. I don't know. Well, well the, the third movie definitely has, I mean, it's definitely different than the other two. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, that he just utilized the technology and kind of where movies had gone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll talk about it. But I, it, it definitely is different. So, if, I don't know. I haven't seen the well, other later movies. To love him or hate him. He's definitely made his niche in the genre. Yeah, they were good. And I, I really, I happen to like him a lot. Uh, one thing, one issue I do have with him is in a couple of his movies have starred his daughter and it showed her boobs. Yeah, yeah, that happened in uh, number three here. Yeah, that was that was a little weird to me. Anyway, yeah, All close right. family. <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> they're from Italy, dude. Yeah, that went all Italy. They're went all Italy users. <laughs> All right, listeners. That's okay. We don't have any. Well, right, I don't good. Think after we're good. We're good. after we pronounce the titles, yeah. they're not even going to try. Exactly. Yeah. Let's get into the first movie, Suspiria. Suspiria. Wow. Is that good? Was that? that? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm Italian. I've been waiting to say that for a week. Now, it came out in 1977, and I went to Wikipedia, and I, and I want to make sure that you guys know where I got this, because it said that it has made $1.43 billion worldwide. Suspiria from 19... what? That can't be right. I, I swear to you. I'll look it up right now. We're going to pause it. Okay, so we just checked it out, and I looked it up again to make sure I wasn't going totally crazy, and it was. On Wikipedia, it says international gross was $1.43 billion. That's, that's impressive. My question is, why are the American filmmakers making movies for Americans, if you can make that much international... Well, this is 30 years old. This is 31 years old, and maybe it's amassed its wealth over 30 years. But still. I don't know. A lot of that's from America, and I'm in North America, and I'm sure. Uh, Call an IMDb BS. Well, I don't care. I got that from Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, Wikipedia <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so uh, who wants to break it down for us? Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. I got to read the tagline for this before we go on, because I thought this was so funny. The tagline was, the only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of this film are the first 92. <laughs> <laughs> so that was some creative. That's um, great. That was, yeah, that was some creative. He got, just in one last thing, got a 7.3 on the IMDb. IMDb. Yeah. Good. Break it down for us. Break it down. Well, I will do that. You've got an American dancer named Susie Banyan who is showing up to a dance studio mm-hmm. a dance school in germany that would have helped to know in the first five minutes of the movie yeah just saying because well, i had no clue what yeah, but she see, was. i like that i because i it had my interest i'm like what is going on but it's developing the story well, what didn't you understand well she's going to school that is made apparent and then all of a sudden all they do there is dance and so i don't know maybe it's obvious haven't, you, dance haven't academy, you seen fame but did you hear what paul just said he goes it's obviously a school, but all they do is dance. And he still didn't get it was a dance school. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. That's <laughs> anyway, no, ahead, right. Sam. Right. Sorry for nope, interrupting. That's okay. I, we need to answer questions that come up. So she goes to the school, and she starts seeing that there's some weird stuff going on. Um, when she shows up, they didn't let her in. And there was some weird thing. Like this girl came out kind of mumbling to herself, didn't think much of it, went back the next day, got accepted into the school. You know, there's some things she has to deal with as far as her shoes and and staying somewhere. Well, some weird things start happening. 
and um, different footsteps in the middle of the night. Some people start disappearing. There's a there's a murder mystery that happens, um, which which kind of opens up the show. And so everything else is kind of asking questions about that throughout. And, and so then you're trying to find out that they, they kind of hint towards different people, like a directress of the school. Then you find out there's a story that goes back to this um, school burning down. And, and so this, this whole mythology of, of, of this witchcraft and, and witch start happening. And so the rest of the movie has been kind of uncovering that story and, and different people are, are disappearing at different times. Um, so that, that's the way that it goes. So that's kind of how the story starts, and it plays out from there. A couple of things to mention before we really get into the the meat of this movie is one thing that struck me a little bit odd about this. It seemed like all of the audio was dubbed. Did you guys notice that? I did notice that. I did. It seemed like it wasn't like sometimes the voices didn't match. For instance, Udo Kier is in this show, and we all know him, and he has this thick Eastern European or some kind of accent. But he sounded like Bob down the street in the show. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if he was really good at that or what the story was when he when he showed up as a psychoanalysis guy. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't expect that much because of the Italian theme that it was Italian movie, mm-hmm. and so I I didn't notice anything except I'm really waiting for the digitally remastered one because the music was a lot louder than the voices. Yeah. So I'd like. Be turning it way up to hear them, and then turn it way down. So, so I mean, we see those technical issues. Well, yeah. One thing I noticed right at the end well, what, is I was... 1979 or seven, three? Yeah, thanks seven. for doing your research. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I noticed at the end in the credits was that uh, it said redubbed in English yeah. at a studio, and it said which one it was. So, but I was like, redubbed in English, but their mouths weren't moving Italian. Sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah. And it just seemed like the voices didn't quite fit the scene it seemed like like for instance even some of the noise in the background didn't quite fit oh but i loved the music in this i did too and and yeah maybe it was a little off kilter and maybe the levels were a little strange yeah but there was it was funny because i mean we all know that this is a witch movie and by the way we're going to spoil every movie but the third what do you guys say to that yeah i'm fine with that let's let's not blow the third because it came out last year yeah i think that's fair and even though uh, we may end up spoiling well, it. Well, it's not hard to figure out. But, uh, you can see how the other two go? Oh, that's pretty a, much can figure out murder. how the third goes. Yeah. Anyhow, so... It's the journey getting there. you got to check it out for the journey. Right. That's right. But as far as the music is concerned, there was one really creepy song that came up every time something yes. magic was going to happen. Yes. It had the bells. It, had, it was like a maybe a little exorcisty, you know, with the bells uh-huh. and whatnot. But I don't know if you guys noticed, but the singer from Metallica's The the Memory Remains. Yes! It was, it was la, 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 la. Okay, yes. I was, I'm glad I wasn't the only one that <laughs> noticed awesome. that.
it was creepy music though. It, it was. It was. And there was there it was there was actually two main songs. That was one of them, and there was another one that was used to build tension. Right, and right. they were both great. Yeah, I thought that the, was, they did an excellent. They job used them over and over, but it never bothered me. Especially the Bills one didn't bother me because I love the memory remains. That annoying sound that Sam brings up every once in a while about the just in different movies that to build tension and stuff. Yeah. They did that was in there, and it really annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> Got under your skin, and I was just like, oh gosh, yeah, just scare me already. Well, in that one, this one was the goblins, and like I said. This is the only movie that used them as far as in this trilogy is concerned. Uh, let's go into a couple of the characters. We had Susie, who was the American dancer. She practically, I mean, she was about what you would expect. Yeah. Uh, she was, I mean, I don't think there's anything really special about her. No, Just she, she happened she was, to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, she was a cute yeah. girl. Yeah. Um, you know, some background there that she, she's a dancer. She has family yeah. back in New York. I mean. Typical, typical protagonist girl. You know, and she was smart, and she was, and I think she did a good job acting. I just, uh, I just don't really see anything extraordinary about her. She was likable. No. That's yeah, barely you rooted for. Her. That's all you can ask, really. Yeah, there was also the vice directress, which was kind of like a dragon lady. That was Miss Tanner. Yeah, wearing way too much makeup and kind of freaked me out just by looking at her. You'd tell her underwear was too tight. Sick. Well, I'm pretty sure that's Was the, it constricting her balls? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty yeah. sure this, this is the one that gets a kick in the balls. I'm about to... I'll drop the balls one okay. you You're in charge of that. You can assign that out. <laughs> I never want you to ever tell <laughs> me that I'm in take. charge of the balls again. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the kick in the balls, I don't know who to give it to, if it's Argento or, or what, but there were a lot of dudes in tights in this show. <laughs> and every yeah. one of those guys gets a kick in the ball. It's the yeah. dude with the hairy chest in the dance hall. <laughs> it was, it was you know a what? gorilla. And this was. is this is before was a skinny little gorilla guy. This is before male dancers have figured out to stuff their jock straps either because <laughs> made me feel no packages on myself. those guys. Not that I was looking. But there's no <laughs> packages on any of those guys. I didn't. Uh, all right, know who this, doesn't compare? Just to say, hey, I'd look. You know, I'd, I look like I got a couple of golf balls and a, a full uh, kibasa sausage down there when I put a, when I put my unitard on. All right, <laughs> Paul's over there thinking, all I've got are a couple of jawbreakers and the small hot dog from Wienerschnitzel. <laughs> right. Well, you guys notice, and so I got to ask Sam because he yeah. <laughs> tends to notice any helmets. You see any? I didn't see any helmets. No helmets this time. I know the Olympics no, bothered is, you. This is pre-helmet. So. <laughs> Too young, huh? Wow. <laughs> we went way off topic there. That's okay. It's just something you're going to have to deal with, yes, listeners. I'm sorry. We, we cannot be trusted with staying to a storyline. Anyway, <laughs> a couple of other characters. Of course, there was the directress who we find out is actually the mother of... Size. Size. S-I-G-H-S. Not size as in, look at the size of, I'm not even going to go. I was going to say, if you take us back down that road. (laughs) Yeah, we just got back on track. (laughs) We we talked about that before the show started. And, of course, we use (laughs) a lot of analogies. We're we're really, really intelligent. And you can tell because every one of our analogies has to do with wieners. (laughs) Listen, if we had the same vocabulary... For everything as we do, for as many terms of description for penises, <laughs> you're talking the, the number of synonyms we Dude, have. With- <laughs> we would be we would be scholars at Harvard or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I can hear that. That's annoying. <laughs> that freaking sucks. 
the rest of the movie, we, we get introduced to a couple of, of the other students at the school. You know, nothing really memorable. I have a hard time saying they're memorable because they had fairly big parts. But I, it seemed like they were just kind of filler around the mystery. I think the, yeah. the main the thing that kept me watching this was the mystery. Uh, well, you know. and the only one that I can think of that really had a big part was her friend Sarah. I think it, it was Sarah, and mm-hmm. because you know Olga was her roommate at the beginning. I think yeah. you know well, yeah, there, there was a small be? part and stuff, but it wasn't anybody that they really got developed. They just had a couple of people that they really focused on. Well, yeah. Wasn't Olga a student at the school? Because she disappeared after the first scene. Yeah, they were, and that's what I mean. I, I think what was interesting to me about Maybe the characters... Maybe she wasn't a dancer. Yeah, I don't know what happened no, she to was. her. But what was interesting to me about the characters was I did not know anything about these movies. I didn't, I've never seen them before. I didn't know what the storyline was. So I thought that that was a whole school of witches. Oh, I thought that that's what this was, and she was ah. going to find out about it because it's the three mothers. I thought right. this mother was mothering these witches. So when they're talking about money and all this kind of stuff yeah. that they're going to have to pay, I thought that they were witches, and so this Olga girl would have been would have been a great witch. Yeah, I think they didn't go there because just in the movie they they did bring up that the the witches are all after money and personal gain and wealth and stuff, and Olga was fit that, but they just. Maybe didn't have time. Maybe cut that part out of the story. She could have been a witch or, or maybe not. It seemed I, like there was a controversy between certain students who were part of it and others who weren't. I I actually completely disagree with you. Really? <laughs> no, <laughs> only because here is this witch, and she has her coven, which we find out end up being the instructors. But in order to not gather attention, in order to fit into the woodwork, she the the we find out the witch actually pre, uh, fakes her own death, and then the school opens up, and I think that I, I I don't know I guess I I guess I could see where some of them might be witches, but the students who were coming in and leaving you know once they it, it just didn't make sense to me that they but the students would be witches just because they're they're coming in and going out, and, you know I think that's too much exposure for yeah. for when they were trying to. To, to hide themselves. And I see, I lean more towards what you were talking yeah. about. I didn't think that far through with like the witches coming and going mm-hmm. because I saw more like Paul where I kind of felt like mm-hmm. there was going to be at least some, but I, I honestly thought that all of them were. Mm-hmm. When, well, when, they, when they were in the locker room and stuff like that. It was definitely, they all kind of acted the same and it was really weird since none of them, when Susie showed up in the beginning, none of them seemed to be like Susie at all like their mannerisms weren't the same they the way just the way they acted they weren't the same so I can see where you where I mean I I don't think it's a dumb idea I just you know I just don't I just see it a different way right all right so what we have here is we we have this murder mystery that starts at the beginning and you've got this death scene of of this girl who ends up looking out this this window and and you've got uh, this other lady that's trying to console her and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, this hairy arm reaches in and grabs her and uh, and then pulls her through the window, which I'm sure cut her up some stuff, and pulls her upstairs and then ends up cutting her and hanging her, right. um, stabbing her several times before that, though, which were just graphic yeah. stabbing. Yeah. The only thing that was missing was, you know, that the blood spurting out in repetitive patterns with a pulse. But... You know, just brutal, brutal stabbings. And then she gets pulled up there and then comes down and, and falls through the glass and hangs while a big, huge shard of glass 
comes down and cuts the other lady's head <laughs> right in half, which that's how they kind of break into it. They show, I think they show that, and then they've got cops in there looking around. Right. If I remember this was, correctly. This was the, we're talking about the girl who originally left screaming in the very first part when, when Susie shows up. She actually runs to a friend's house, and th- that's where all this happens, her friend's house. Well, the other part <laughs> of that, though, too, the stabbing of the heart, which, which oh, I right, thought yeah. was, I mean, because th- you got this, this person stabbing, and I guess stabs a hole, so that you got this heart kind of sticking out, and then they stab the heart, which, I mean, it looked real. Yeah, yeah. It really looked like, did you just take an animal heart and stab <laughs> it? Because it really looked, it looked real. And the other creepy part was the yellow eyes right before... Like the yellow eyes open up while that music's right. going on, right? And that just kind of set the tone. I remember thinking that is weird. Yep, absolutely. So Susie figures out through this and that that there's something strange going on, you know. And there's a couple of other things that happen at the dance school. First of all, these girls are getting ready for the evening, or I can't remember what exactly they're getting ready for. And all of a sudden, all these maggots come dropping all over their hair, and they're dropping all over the floor. Come to find out that there's a box in the sea, in the attic that just is full of maggots. And they're all above in the, in the attic, and they're all falling down. They claim that it was some food that went bad and, and whatnot. Because of this, they all decided not to sleep in the, in the living quarters because that was the floor right below the attic. They all went into the gym, set up a bunch of cots, set up some sheets to kind of be walls and whatnot just to kind of keep so there's a little bit of privacy. And this is where we are introduced to the directress. What happens is in the, they're all asleep, and then all of a sudden you see the profile of, a, of, a, you know, someone, of an old lady, you can tell, laying down, and she is snoring, totally sick snore. And with all that's going on, all these girls are nervous already, so they just start kind of chattering about it and what's going on. Oh, you know, so-and-so said that the directress wasn't here, but yet here she is. I know that's her because... I had to stay in a different room one time, and this is what was going on next to me, and then blah, blah, blah. But that's where we are actually introduced to what we later find out is the witch. And this is, for me, this is where the movie gets really fake. Because as soon as those drapes go up, every guy in the world is going to be back there doing shadow puppets behind it. (laughs) I would have been doing, like, pitch the tent... I'd have been doing, like, throw it over for, like a wristwatch. Right. I'd have been doing, like, uh, hey, look at my third leg. I'd have been doing all that type of stuff, and that just didn't happen. So for me, no, I'm just kidding. That's, no. It didn't ruin it. No, I thought it was good. But I, I kept waiting for guys in the background to be doing all sorts of awesome shadow puppets. Well, and, yeah, and the only shadow puppet we got was this terrifying witch that snored. That made me clear my throat every time that she was snoring. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, a, it was very bothersome. The school had a weird problem because she shows up, they're expecting her, but they don't have sleeping arrangements for her f- the first night, and then they move her into the school the second night, and she doesn't want to because she passed out dancing. Mm. And then that night she can't sleep in her bed either because of the maggots. She just had a lot of sleeping issues. I was a little turned off by that. Yeah, and actually what, what happens is she... What she ends up going to class. She's new. They uh, she passes out because of. I think what it was is I don't know if you guys remember when she was walking down mm-hmm. that hall. The really ugly lady shoots some silver, like a like oh, a reflection right. of silver. And I assume that it wasn't the silver in in, the, in just the, the brightness that hit her face. There was some kind of a witchcraft involved. But she passes out, and so from then on out, she's restricted to this diet where she actually has to drink one glass of red wine every night. Come to find out that 
this red wine is practically a drug. So, you know, once she drinks it and goes to sleep, she can't get up. Well, the problem is, is when she falls asleep, that's when all the, the scary stuff, that's when all the spooky stuff starts happening. And her friend, her roommate tries to tell her about it, but she's passed out. She can't help her. And this is actually when they find out where this coven of witches is meeting, which, which we find out, like I said, is all the staff. Yeah, Sarah figures out how to how to fig- how to find where they're going and stuff. Apparently, the teachers are supposed to leave at nine p.m., but they hear the footsteps go right instead of left, and right. Uh, then Sarah realizes that she can count the footsteps and figure out where she's where they're going. And she tells Susie this, but Susie, like you said, it was drugged. Yeah. So Susie has to figure it out again on her own. And and I, you know, this is one part of the movie that I didn't like. I thought they could have gone into a better explanation of how they could find the witches. But when they're talking about counting steps, to me it was, it was you know, you, you don't know where they're starting right. to start counting steps because they're behind walls. And even when they're counting steps, when she goes at the end and starts counting steps, it's like you can forget about the steps. Just go through the freaky-looking doors every <laughs> right. time. I think it was – and you're right. I, I, I don't think they needed to count. All they needed to do was figure out which way they were going. That's you right. Know, and right. well, and you bring that up, and it's funny because uh, Sarah is too stupid to figure out which way they're going the whole time, and a half passed out Susie says, "Oh, they're going left," and the, you know, right. they go, whatever drugged right. Susie. Sarah. So yeah. So Sarah starts following it and ends up falling down into some wire. I don't know. <laughs> oh I mean, well, she, well, yeah. Sarah takes off. She starts going after him, and I can't remember exactly what happens, but she starts getting chased by a hooded figure or followed and so when she's trying to escape she goes through a window into a a room where the floor's covered with razor wire but, but hold on a second before we get to that okay. I, i've got to say because you know not that i'm looking at this stuff as as having to be real right but she goes in this room she locks the door and somebody's sticking like the end of a fork through the <laughs> door know. for about five minutes, like trying to undo the latch. <laughs> yeah. To me, I would have just stood there and hold the latch down because <laughs> yeah. there's no way they're going to get enough force to, to lift that up. Instead, <laughs> she curls down in a ball I, I thought by a box thing. waiting for it to happen. I'm like, what are you doing? Then she decides to climb through the window and fall yeah. 18 inches <laughs> into razor wire, <laughs> which <laughs> this is one of those parts I've mentioned throughout the episodes that I give horror movies a little bit of leeway because you're right. All you had to do was walk up to the lock and stick your finger on the top and they weren't going to unlock no. it. To me, the funny thing is they were struggling way more than they had to. I'm like, this is the biggest idiot lock right. pick in the world. That's right. But I gave it to him. Oh, I will. Yeah, I gave yeah. it to him. I, I kept gave it watching. To, to me, the, uh, the, the fork or whatever utensil was looked like a razor. It was sharp. I would have been afraid to get cut by that, and I probably would have curled up in a ball and <laughs> cried for a little bit while they <laughs> well, were working on the lock. But so she ends up dying. That This hooded figure ends up killing her. The por- razor wire death was, I mean, I thought it, it was, was brilliant. Gross. I was like, who thinks to put a ton of razor wire how, where how you don't want that people well, to go? that's the thing is you're just sitting there when she's rolling around, even though I know that it's not really razor she's wire. She's struggling yeah, and trying moving. to get out of it. Keeps on stuff. tripping into it. And, you know, yeah. Kinda, yeah, that was, that was creepy. Yeah. Of course, the school tries to cover it up. Oh, last night Sarah packed up all her things and just left. She, you know, Nobody knows where she is. And, of course, this again makes – I mean, Susie's already 
uh, you know, pretty suspicious about the whole thing. She ends up calling Sarah's friend, who is a psychologist or a psychiatrist, who is played by Udo Kier, and it's just basically, ah, this is all bullcrap, but here, here's my old man buddy who, uh, who knows more about it than I do. And the old man comes and talks to her and says, yeah, it's all real. That, that was bizarre to me because I thought he, the other friend, Sarah's friend, said, here's my old man buddy who knows more about it and he's going to prove to you how it's all fake. Right, I did too. <laughs> but he turns out, yeah, that's real. Believe it. Anyway, let's wrap up the story. Basically, one night, uh, Susie decides not to drink the red wine. She dumps it out. It looks like it's jello, practically. Like blood. Really thick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it is. You know, I, I thought blood, but I was so like, how I. could you drink it every night and not? No, it's no. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe wine does that. I've, I don't know. I admit that I might not have ever drinking wine. Or at least that or kind. dumped it down the sink. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's just a reaction that some wines have to porcelain. Yeah. All right. Up mine for that crappy joke. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> So she ends up doing the same thing that Sarah did. She's a little bit smarter about it. She follows. She she actually finds out. She actually remembers from the very first scene what Pat Hingle was was saying. She was saying, "Okay, there's a room with a blue iris. Twist the iris, and you'll find, you know, and then the follow secret. it down the secret." Right. So she goes down, counting the steps like we were talking about. She goes into this room, finds a wall where there's a painting of, you know, a set of flowers. She finds a blue iris, twists it. It was actually some kind of a metal ornament she goes through she finds all these the instructors and whatnot they're all witches planning to kill her but luckily she finds where the mother of size is and here's the big battle at the end a battle was uh, there a battle there was a little bit of she a battle sat on her well, bed because the, <laughs> the witch had a secret weapon of disappearing and then coming back and disappearing <laughs> yeah. well when no she laughs she's she's visible here's the deal Susie goes in there and she can see uh, the mother of sizes in there sleeping again and all you can see is her profile laying down she walks in and she knocks over this ornamental peacock oh that's oh. right yeah and in this peacock, very conveniently, are a bunch of knives that make up its tail. That's one thing I learned about <laughs> oh, from this movie, right. is right. if you think someone's going to kill you, don't give them like, weapons as ornamentation in your room. <laughs> <laughs> so she picks up one of these knives. The mother of size, sits, uh, she wakes up because of the crash when she knocked over the peacock. She, and, and the mother of size starts mocking Susie brings back Sarah to life as a zombie. Maybe there's a little bit of a zombie movie in there. We know that uh, the witches have the power of invisibility, but as the, as the mother of size was was doing her invisibility trick, there was some lightning from outside that you could see her silhouette. And so Susie goes in, stabs the silhouette right in the neck, and boom, gone. The zombie's dead, and then the whole house starts exploding. Starts on fire. Oh, yeah. Starts all that's the columns start breaking, and, and she hightails it out of there. And that's the movie. I like how they ended. The, yeah. the fire, the flames just got, and then they rolled credits over the fire. Yeah, boom, it was over. Yeah, and one thing about, as you'll notice, all three of these movies is the fact that, and we'll talk more about the story of, of, of how, the significance of the actual witch's dwellings and whatnot, but once the witch dies... Their dwelling just gets destroyed. Yeah, and that yeah, we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about that storyline in, in the second one. It's a couple of ending notes on this film. There were the color scheme was very different than any other movie that I've ever seen. Lots of rich reds yeah. and blues and even greens. 
tons and tons of colors in there that I don't know if I would expect or not, but I think it worked well. I think it I think it was creepy. What do you guys think? I think so. I mean, the, the, all the reds just kind of remind you of blood. Yeah. It's definitely warm, so it draws you in. It kind of reminded me of, of a surreal type of environment where it's almost not real. You know, it, it, yeah. it, you don't see that kind of coloring in real yeah. life, and it's... You know, this whole movie was filled with that kind of environment. I really liked the movie. One thing that we're that I'm going to have a problem with in this movie is that not all of them were completely awesome, but it's hard not to give them a bone saw as a trilogy. That's because, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, it's just they're all one story, and we'll we'll go into it like we said when we talk about Inferno. You know, cheers, cheers to the guy. We're coming up with an interesting storyline. Yeah. We talked a little bit about this last week in a couple of movies that I did not like because I couldn't follow the story. Although all the questions didn't get answered in this, it was compelling enough that I found myself wondering how it was going to end. Right. You know, last week the movies were, were predictable. It just wasn't compelling. But this week, these movies kept my interest, and that's why I, I think the storyline was great, the mythology behind it was great, and everything else. I totally agree with you. I, that, that's my favorite thing about these it wasn't the acting. It wasn't the, the art direction. It wasn't the brutal scenes. It was that this story is so entrenched in its own mythology. I don't know. I, I, give, them, I give it a bone saw, but like I said, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to give one without giving them all. Yeah, I think as a series, they, they do. Maybe the first one doesn't quite pull a bone saw. I pull own. a bone saw on the first one. Here's my complaint. Let's hear and, it. And, it's not this, this series in particular, but it's just maybe Hollywood or just movies. But with the first movie, it seems to me that if you have a good story and you know it's going to go along, kind of like The Lord of the Rings or something, just do it. Do it awesome, the first one, and and then do the other two, too. I know did, they don't see it that like way. Did you feel like it kind of was going, going, and all of a sudden, boom, we're over? No, 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 not that. It's just so much, like... So, well, I don't want to get into it. But anyways, they didn't really build this whole story with the witches and all. They did s- d- have some ideas and stuff, uh-huh. but they didn't really drop it on you until well, episode here, two of w- how it all plays together and the whole how these stories go together. Right. This was pretty much a standalone movie. It could just be released in the box offices, and if they didn't do any more, great. Or, well, you know. But I think they needed to do that because you don't want to be prepared to do a trilogy right when and then the first one is not to. accepted so right. i think you yeah. kind of have to throw it out there and once they saw that they had some success then you can see that the second one came out and i think he had full intentions of doing a third which he did even though it was 20 years later i think he had full intentions of doing it and yeah and so yeah, that's, i think it got accepted but no i point. agree this is as far as as far as this one is concerned it's completely standalone you can watch it by itself but it's also entrenched in the mythology of the trilogy. Yeah. Anything? Any last words? We just have the normal, the six degrees. Uh, how come I always forget this stuff? <laughs> I don't know. We'll do it. I, I always do. I think we both, me and Mike, both did a six degrees on on these movies. We decided that we need to uh, branch out a little bit instead of just always going back to Spider Man because that's what Bruce Campbell. Has. Right. We need okay. to. We love Bruce Campbell and we want to appreciate all of his work. So. I've got a couple things. Mike, do you want to do, do I'll yours? do mine first. All right. Udo Kier was in Suspiria, who was in Grindhouse with Kurt Russell. Even though they weren't in the same movie, part of Grindhouse, they were all underneath the Grindhouse name. <laughs> and Kurt Russell was in Sky High with Bruce Campbell. 
I like it. I've got uh, Jessica Harper, who is the uh, who is Susie in this movie. She was in one episode of Moonlighting with Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> Bruce Willis was in uh, the whole nine yards with Michael Clark Duncan. Uh-huh. And Michael Clark Duncan was in Planet of the Apes with Paul Giamatti. Yeah. And Paul Giamatti was in the Ant Bully as a voice with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Wow. You know what? Your kid movie was kidder than mine. Is that a word? <laughs> well, I don't Whatever gets us there is what I'm All right, say. sweet. So, and I also have a, a who else said that. Um, there was a quote when Susie got to the school. Um, they talked about how in their locker it says, you'll find everything in there except shoes. And when I put that in Google, it came up as Carney Wilson's doctor right before they went in to staple her stomach. What? Yeah. Well, right, wait, wait, right. wait, wait. That wasn't that funny. Why wouldn't she have shoes? I don't know. Why didn't she have shoes in the movie? I don't she's know. She's the fattest person I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> not anymore. No, not anymore. It's because there was everything in there except for shoes, and now there's nothing. Oh, sweet. All right. So, so Sam, we we've got to we got to the level on those. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to we got to step it up. We, just, I'm really just so our listeners know we weren't we were, thought we were going to have to skip another week. Because of where Paul and I work, we have a really busy week coming up, and Sam was out of town. But yesterday, I get a call from Sam, and he says, "Dude, let's do it tomorrow." And so we had to, we had to hurry and get all these movies in, watched, so we could talk about them. So hopefully, obviously, quality, Sam didn't really spend a whole lot of time coming up with that. I guess Will said that. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, you can only use the same references like once, right? Exactly. So I can't keep saying Hillary Clinton and boobs every time. <laughs> I mean, that, that really could especially do, do not say you Hillary do, Clinton's boobs. Yeah, well, oh, man, that could be bad. I think those were the same ones as on the uh, the Keymaster last week. Those oh. were the same. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I also have a new little segment I'd like to do, and it's called "What Did I Learn in This Movie?" And so I'm going to go ahead and launch that. And what I may do to keep the quality high on the Who Else Said That is maybe alternate this every once in a while. Okay. But I did it for all three movies. We'll see how it goes. So what did I learn from this movie? I learned that yellow eyes are very scary. Oh, yes. The second thing I learned is that guys in unitards are equally as scary. (laughs) (laughs) The third thing that I learned is that every private school has a hard-ass lesbian bitch in charge of the girls. Those are the three things that I learned from this movie. And this movie does not disappoint on that, that's for sure. Well, all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Are you a musician? If so, you should check out Tattoo Guitars. We do custom paint jobs, pinstriping, and wiring. We will even custom build a guitar to your exact specifications. Check us out online at myspace.com slash tattooed guitars. Again, that's myspace.com slash tattooed guitars. And tell them the Sloan sent you. All right, so that was the Spirium. Moving on, the second part of this trilogy is a movie called Inferno, which came out in 1980. Now, Inferno takes a little bit of a different take on the story, whereas we talked about Suspiria had basically it was a standalone, didn't really get into the whole mythology. Well, that is all thrown out in Inferno because we get all of the story in Inferno. Well, first of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the three films as a whole, but know that all of this is explained in Inferno. Since we mentioned that all three films deal with one witch out of a triumvirate of witches. Is that a word? <laughs> I'm, I'm in the T's in Merriam-Webster. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just in. Uh, 
so anyway, the story starts in the 11th century. There were three sisters who created witchcraft on the coast of the Black Sea. Basically, what, they, what their mission was is to spread throughout the world, gather wealth, gather power. But as a side effect, they leave a wake of destruction in their path. Uh, everywhere they go, there are stories of death and destruction. That's just kind of their thing. What they wanted to do in spreading out is they each kind of took a headquarters. Each had a building built for them, or a home built for them, which kind of became their headquarters. For instance, we mentioned that this dance school was in Freiburg, Germany. And, of course, that was the mother of size. In Inferno, we are introduced to the mother of darkness, or... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow this... Uh, Accent, or, or oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm you sorry. said accent. I'm not. I, no, I mean, oh, sick. No, I'm going to blow the the way to pronounce this word. Uh, by the way, the first witch was another name for her was Mater Suspiriorum. Yeah, Mater. Uh, Mater. The witch that is the main witch in Inferno is Mater Tenebrarum, which, by the way, is a has thrown a lot of people off. Because Dario Argento has actually already put out, actually put out a movie called Tenebrae. And so a lot of people thought that, that Tenebrae was the second movie in this series and because of the witch named Tenebrarum. But it's not. That's actually a completely different story. And Speaking of which, uh-huh. these movies were tough to connect on IMDb. You know, you, if you didn't know, I don't think you're going to find out that there's like a trilogy and then... You really? know, with one mm. to another. I, I tried to go that way, but I had to go back to Mike's notes to figure out <laughs> which was first and how they connected and right. stuff like that. Yeah, well, except for they all... Yeah, you're, I guess you're right. I mean, you don't know which one came first and second. Is that what you're talking about? Besides the year they were made, I guess. Yeah, and finding out... I guess, I mean, you could go to the director. I'm not that smart, and so I just... <laughs> Mater Tenebrarum uh, wanted to have her home in New York City, and... The third mother, named Mater Lacrimarum, or the mother of tears, was actually wanted to be in Rome. What Hot. they did, yeah, well, we'll talk about yeah, yeah. her next. They do mention that she is the best looking yeah. in this movie, <laughs> so it's appropriate. Anyway, so what they did is they commissioned a guy named E. Varelli, uh, who was an architect. He built these three buildings. Basically, these three witches were planning on ruling the world from their home base. This guy, Varelli, wrote some memoirs in a book called The Three Mothers. Was that, was that what it was called? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think so. It was called The Three Mothers and explains, oh, these are who these women are. Oh, shit, it's too late. I screwed up and I made them their their homes and where they're going to rule from. We got to do something about it, I guess. And that's kind of where... Infernal stuff. Well, I don't know if it starts, but that's kind of where the story starts. Yeah. You want to give us an overview, Paul? Yeah, sure. The uh, I'm not going into the characters' names, but there's a girl at the beginning, and she has checked out this book from a friend. I think she lives in the the Mother of Darkness's house as a, a tenant, like a she's renting a place right. in there. There's a local bookstore, just kind of a book exchange type of place antique store too and uh she checks out the book from the the guy from the owner who's on crutches so she reads the three the three mothers and she uh she starts asking the owner of the bookstore if he's read and he says he's read a little bit but you know he didn't read the whole thing or something and she asks him some questions and he kind of gives her some clues she she had written a letter to her brother and mailed it off well 
after she left the bookstore, she goes searching and she finds some of the clues. Well, the books mention that there are three keys right. to find out whether or not you're in a situation dealing with one of these three mothers. I, I can't remember them all. The first one was that it's going to smell bad. It, you know, there's going to be a, a... Because of the corruption of the building was so... Just would eventually penetrate out and you would right. smell the building rotting. The second one is that in the basement of their dwelling, there would, there would be a, a picture or a painting of the actual witch. And then the third one... Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. And then the third one... Uh, was simply something under your feet. Yeah, something under your feet. So, but anyway, she sees the cellar to the house, and she decides to check it out on her own. And she sneaks down there and and finds goes back to the back of this place. I mean, this is somewhere I would not go, especially not at night. And in New York, and in New yeah. York, but the uh, the door to the cellar was really cool because you lift it up and then the stairs come up. Right, I was thinking kind of like a fire escape almost. Yeah, except for you're going down. What if someone closes that door? You're screwed. You're <laughs> stuck down there. Well, I think you can pull down the stairs. Maybe it's just so that like rats and stuff can't get up. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so she goes way back into this kind of cellar under the basement and finds a little a hole in the concrete and yeah. it's a puddle. She basically. Follows a stream to this puddle. She drops her pennant in there right. and goes, decides to climb in and swim after her pennant. Well, what happens is she drops the, the pendant. She doesn't, I don't think she realized that it was so deep. But, <laughs> you know, but then she like, oh, well, I can't reach my pendant. Holy crap, there's another room down there. This is like a, a three, maybe a three foot hole in the ground. Right. And then underneath is just a pool of water. Like a, a room that's completely filled with water. Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking, man, that is like being trapped under ice. Yeah. And, you know, if you can't find your way out, you're screwed. Right, exactly. Uh, she's brave. She's braver than me. All right, I'll give her that. And <laughs> she goes swimming in this place. She dives. That, that must have been a family heirloom. That's the only thing I can think of because she goes diving in it. Actually, well, it was her keys to her apartment. Oh. See, and I thought those Damn. were the keys one of the keys, like the actual oh, keys oh, 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 oh. for the, you know, because she's chasing these keys. Right. Those are apparently her keys for her apartment. She swims down there. Doesn't she see the, the painting of the mother? Yeah, she. there was the painting of the mother down there, and I we didn't get a real good look at it. So yeah, I think no. that was just so we didn't know who it was because the, cause the witch ends up being somebody masquerading as somebody else, you know, during the movie, and I don't think it wanted to give it away. That makes sense? Yeah, no, I hear you. Okay. Sam gave me a funny look, but I think that's just his face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So she swims down there, sees the mother, and then the shit hits the fan. Oh, yeah. She's trying to swim out. I think she no. no what she happens screams because she saw a corpse. There was a bloody, half-decomposed corpse. And so she starts screaming, opening her mouth. Letting all the death microbes in. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. <laughs> that was sick. I mean, it's not your first thought when you see a corpse not to scream because right. you have death microbes. But. It's mine. <laughs> I'm just eating. It's like... <laughs> just on a side note here, this girl can hold her breath for like... 20 oh, yeah. she, <laughs> she goes, there is no urgency at all to get out of there. No urgency to go find her keys and well, tell those corpses. She was a Green Beret. Too bad she didn't. Um, Are you being serious? Make the I am 2008 not being Olympics. serious. Oh, okay, I was like, wow, I must must have missed that part. <laughs> no. I see. I think Argento just tried to figure out. All right, how can I have a wet T-shirt contest? Yeah, in horror, and not in the first scene. This was yeah, it was great. I mean, form fitting 
after that and I, I saw nipples. Yeah. Well, she comes out of the <laughs> hole of the water hill after getting her keys. She pulls up and her hair is all flowing back and she was just wearing a white shirt. She was also swimming in a skirt. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. I She went down in, in like business attire. Yeah. She did. get down in the sink. And you know what? I mean, would you ever just jump down in there with... If I lost my keys with those clothes on? I don't wear that kind of clothes. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Argento is taking a step up from his career as this uh, <laughs> pseudo almost porn stuff from the past and he wanted to keep her clothes on. Maybe. But. Good for him. <laughs> but anyway, so she goes, she takes her keys and goes upstairs and she feels like somebody is following her. Well, sure enough, somebody is following her and she gets murdered. Yeah, but there not before is. Carlo. But not before what? Carlo helps her. She's, she's like, I don't want to be alone. Oh, yeah, oh that's yeah. right. Oh, nice this, this is the best part of the whole movie. Oh, because go. she gets in the elevator, and this guy's like checking her out because she had ripped her shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. And so he's just looking at her. He's got the porn stash going he on. He does. And so they're going up the elevator, and I'm just seeing it. I'm like, this is how every porn that I've never seen starts. <laughs> right. And he's like, she's like, he, he pushes her floor, and he's, he's riding up, and she's like, I don't want to be alone. And he's like, that's okay, because I'm not doing anything for two hours. <laughs> he should have said more like, I'm not doing anything for 20 seconds. <laughs> so anyway. I'm like, awesome. This, I know where this is going. Uh, I mean, I don't know where this is going. Right. So so they go up to the room, and so then there's that's when the deaths start happening. Right, both Carlo and and she dies. That is correct. Spectacularly... And all the deaths in this. Yeah, I mean they're all good. They're all good. They're they're unique and they're they're good. Well, luckily she sent off this letter to her brother who who was actually attending a music school in Rome, which uh, her brother by the way had another awesome porn stash. Oh yeah, <laughs> classic. What classic. was the deal with mustaches back then? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I I guess I tried to grow one in the 80s, but I I couldn't. No, I didn't know. <laughs> anyway. I keep trying to grow one, but I, yeah. But he, we're introduced to him at school. Yeah. He's in, he's in Rome, isn't he? Yeah, he's in Rome, and he's in a music class. Yeah, so he's in this music class where I guess feline cats are welcome in class. Well, yeah. Because he's looking down at this girl who is petting a cat. Well, I don't blame him. She was the hottest girl in class. She was pretty hot. But anyway, she, she know, didn't have headphones on. Do you realize who that girl on. was? No, 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 no. She, since, you got to remember, this was Rome, and he actually brought his sister's letter to class. He was planning on reading it during class, I guess. And so... Who sh- who decides to show up to his class to check him out? None other than the mother of tears. Oh, is that who that, that was? That is who that was. In fact, they wanted her to... Well, oh, they, they thought gotcha. about having her play in the third one. But, I mean, it's 20 years later. And her name was... I think it was Anna Peroni. She had five kids. So oh, really? For all the scenes that we're about to talk about in the third movie, I think her body would have been a little too haggard. Listen, that's kind of... It's kind of harsh, man. Well, I know. Yeah, like I'm so perfect. Yeah, well, well it's I could talk. Right? Witches, witches don't age as quickly, and they just kind of use it. Well, and here's wow. the deal. Did you, I, did you did you read that? Or that's not in the movie. No, right? I, no I, I, I made it up right now. I read. Paul thinks we're talking to him. <laughs> oh, which part? <laughs> Sorry. No, I. Uh, no, I read about it before I watched him. In fact, I went to the. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I went to the Wikipedia page, 
And I read it, which I suggest you do before you watch. It's very interesting. You go to the Wikipedia, go to the Three Mothers. It gives an overview of them all. And I think reading that helped me enjoy Suspiria even more because I knew how it fit in, into, the, into the whole mythology. But the second one, I found out that this lady played was actually supposed to be representing the Mother of Tears, which made sense. They were in huh. Rome. You know, they all seem to be able to sense right. things that are that are uh, happening that involve them. Like this guy brought the letter from his sister in New York who was starting to catch on to the whole Three Mothers thing. Anyhow, she was hot. Yeah, she Not was, bad. She was a cute girl. I, yeah. I, I'm, that's, that's interesting now that you say that. That puts that together. Yeah. Apparently, he was friends with another lady there, a friend in her class, uh, once a class is over, the mother of tears was walking away in, with her cat, and so he just darts after her, takes off real quick, but and left his left this letter with his friend, with this friend who I can't remember the the character name. Right. Anyway, so she takes it and starts, you know, reading a little bit about. Well, she reads the letter, finds out what it's about. She starts reading a little bit more about the trilogy. She actually goes to a library and, and she takes a chance to look at a book. Look at one of the copies of The Three Mothers. So anyway, she takes this, this letter. She goes down and to check out the book. Or she, I, don't think, I don't think she was actually supposed to take it. She tried to smuggle it out of the library when the library closed. But she ended up actually fa- going down this different way or, or finding this weird passageway where somebody was making a giant vat of pea soup. I think it was supposed to be some kind of... Um, Girl. Tell me, now that you know that that was the third mother in there and this is what i thought and tell me if you think i'm right i think that actually and maybe our listeners can help out with this too i think that that library was actually the third mother's house i i bet you're right and so she goes down there there's this hooded figure very similar to the one that we saw suspiria. oh wait oh wait did we see one in suspiria i don't yeah. remember it was chasing oh, uh, sarah oh you're right it was the hairy armed guy yeah. except for it ended up being the witch but <laughs> So she goes down there. She sees this hooded person doing things that looked like witchcraft. I, I think that's the impression. There that were we cauldrons were and stuff. You were supposed to get that yeah. idea. And she asks this person a question. The, she, this person answers the question, finds out, though, that this girl has the book. Of course, starts after her for the book. The girl ends up dropping the book and running away. So anyway, she leaves. And I can't remember exactly what happens, but she ends up dying. And so this was a little bit strange to me because here we have two would-be protagonists, you know, one in New York and one in Rome that both die off, you know, in, you know in the first part of it. And all that's left is this brother. The brother finds out that his schoolmate is dead and the schoolmate had the, uh, the letter that his sister sent him, but it was all ripped up so he didn't really know what to do. He calls up the sister and uh, she says, hurry and come to New York. Hold on a second. She, yeah, she wasn't dead yet. No, hold on a second. That's okay. right, because it, the girl that, that the porn thing happened to right. was, the, was his friend. Oh, you're right. Because I, she falls through the screen. Oh, you're right. That's what it, so we, right. we totally butchered that. Well, that's building. okay. We'll, we'll leave all that in just because okay. uh, just pretend all that stuff we said about that one guy in the 20 seconds. Didn't happen to a sister, happened to his classmate. Wow, glad we're on top of that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that happened. She dies. The brother calls his sister in New York. Sister says, hurry and come out. But by the time that he shows up, she is gone. She has disappeared. 
And from then on out, uh, her brother becomes the protagonist and the main character. A a nice twist to this, he actually lives for a while, so as we build through his character, we don't have to keep reinvesting in a brand new hero. Right. The story moves on. We go into, you know, a little bit, some of the details of the building. We, you know, we, we, we're given a few more clues as to who the three mothers are. I mean, it's all stuff that we've talked about so far. He goes searching for the keys. Right. He goes searching for the keys. And he's going just key by key, just looking for him, trying to find. Well, actually, he's just, he did find the one key about the under your foot yeah. thing. Well, well here, here's there, what happens. But. You know, this is another mystery. He starts going, looking for the keys. He starts uncovering other clues. And the one, in the last one, the last clue that we mentioned earlier, that the final key will be found under your feet. He actually starts, pa- starts as he's walking across the, the floor, he notices that there's an echo in, in some spots, and in, in others there is not an echo. So he actually pulls up some floorboards, and we find out that there's a whole other room down there. There's a whole other layer, I guess we could call it, since we know a witch lives down there. He goes down there and starts to investigate what's going on down there. And we have skipped one vital part as far as characters are concerned. There was one character who was in a wheelchair. He couldn't speak, you know, and, and this person had a, a nurse. And uh, right. he, he was kind of an older guy. He was trying to communicate with the brother, but he, he had a hard time communicating because he couldn't speak. And also because his nurse, we find out, is, the, is actually the witch. Good thing that there's a movie and that we're not telling the story to you because we just would have screwed up the whole story. <laughs> but anyway, that's what happens. He goes down. He finds the witch's lair, and then he's he's confronted by this this old man. Well, he, basically the old man comes into this room, and, and Mark, who is the brother, finds it. Walks downstairs as soon as the nurse leaves, and the old man plugs himself in. I guess he's got this microphone that, that gets on his, the uh, voice box. On his, his voice. Yeah, he had to plug it in there. And he ends up telling him that he's this E. Bellini. Yeah. Varelli. Varelli, I'm sorry. The who architect. Is the, who's yes. the architect of all of the houses. And he goes and starts talking about how he's going to be watched and all this kind of stuff. Well, this guy says, come closer. Come closer so that I can talk to you, so I can whisper so they don't hear. And you're like, oh. Why are you whispering? He's going to molest you giant, you get up there. You, I, yeah, I thought this that, is silly. It's not like you can whisper. It's I mean, coming through the damn yeah, you know, speakers. You know what's coming here. But anyways, he gets close mm-hmm. enough that he gets a shot in the arm, but pulls off. And as he's pulling away before the shot goes too far into him, the old man ends up falling out of his wheelchair and choking on the thing that's around his neck yeah. Yeah. while Mark is trying to suck the poison out of his arm right. and, and is successful in doing so. Well, the guy ends up telling him that the witch is there and is going to watch him and, and know what's going on, and, and, and sure enough, you can see a silhouette in the back. Right. Mark goes after it, finds out that the nurse is the witch. Right. And from there, she turns into death. Well, and also, he also finds out that Eva Relly has just been this witch's slave. Right. For a long time. So then, and so then uh, he ends up running away. Well, here, here was one of my favorite parts of the movie. The nurse shows up, and now her, her cover's blown, and she knows it. She's talking to Mark, telling, her how, or telling Mark how a lot of people call us the mother, you know, the three mothers, but we are death. And what happens right at that part is she disappears, but you see her reflection still in the mirror, and when she says that, all of a sudden the mirror shatters, and this big giant skeleton in a, in a robe shows up behind the mirror. And I got to admit that that scared the shit out of me. Did it really? Yeah, I, I was not expecting that 
And all of a sudden, there's this big, giant, completely rubber. If you were to look at it, I mean, it wasn't that scary. I just was not expecting that, and it got right. me. No, it's, I thought it was good, and then he just ends up running away. Yeah. And death doesn't make it out of the house and dies. Well, is that what ha- is that how it happens? Yeah. I, God, I can't remember. I watched it yesterday night. Yeah, I actually just, finished it this morning at he runs, 7 a.m. He runs all the way. The Mark runs all the way out of the house, and death comes out and stops right in front of a flame and raises its yeah. arms up and then explodes into flame, and it's, it, the credits roll. burned. Well... Well, Whatever happened, that sounds simple, but it dominated. No, I was good. I, I, don't, I mean, like I said, I still like I like these movies. Yeah, I, this is probably my favorite of the three, and we we can talk about you know why and and I because I know it wasn't Paul's favorite, but I just no. love the mythology and the story, and we get it all in this one. Right, and maybe I'm lucky that I watched these three movies in a row, so you know they were all fresh in my mind. And I, I was kind of into the whole Three Witches mythology after reading the Wikipedia page, watching Suspiria, and then watching this. And I loved it. See, I, I agree with that. I think the watching them in order for me, because I did the exact same thing. I had not seen them before. I didn't check out Wikipedia. But there was just the story that was laid out. And, and then to have it supported by something substantial, it didn't negate the first one by making up right. additional rules or having to explain weird stuff that had happened in the first one. The story that was in the second one carried the first, carried the second, and then moved it into where they could make the third movie. And it just, I thought it was a solid story. There was only one inconsistency in this movie. Well, one blaring, glaring, glaring. inconsistency that I did not like in this movie. Again, the acting was, you know, it was, it was yeah, decent. It, it was wasn't right. bad. Uh, it wasn't totally awesome. There were a few parts that you could tell. Th- at least this one wasn't dubbed over. At least it didn't seem like it was, not like right. in Suspiria. But after reading the Wikipedia page and after kind of going into the mythology a little bit, Mater Tenebrarum, which was the witch in this movie, was supposedly the youngest and the most cruel. She was not younger than the Mother of Tears. No, she wasn't. And I wonder if that's, if that means that there was just she had taken a different body maybe um because she was death so True. so so that's who she was well yeah and i guess it doesn't really count since we're talking witch rules yeah. <laughs> you know right so who yeah, knows it doesn't matter how did she die do we bypass that the building started on fire and when they die the building burns up is well, that how it works did uh gosh, mark stab did her start no, 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 no. The fire started with. It's funny because the same actress that played the lesbian in the German in Germany was actually in this movie as like a. Uh, oh, you're right. She, they were going to kill this countess who was Elise, and they wanted to get rid of her because she had some money. So her and this other guy, the Elise's butler, and this is another side story. You're but right. anyways, she ends up getting killed. The guy ends up getting killed, and then she gets so scared, and she was going to light a fire while she ends up pulling the drapes down on herself falling through a window and down into the basement which starts the building on you're fire. right this this the building didn't actually die or didn't start crumbling until after until after the witch was dead but the fire started before That's right. oh, gotcha. yeah okay yeah i forgot I, yeah we didn't even mention that whole side story we don't need to know everything. No, there's a lot right. of stuff in this movie that we're not talking about. There's some other deaths. Well, go watch it. It yeah, dominates. it's good. I mean, it's it's a good show. It's like I said, the biggest thing for me that that just kills over last week is you, you get a solid storyline that's creative. That's not the same typical oh people rise from the dead right. or vampire. Yeah. This is something that's different that I have not seen in another movie. 
which is just good. Let me take a minute to mention where Argento came up with this. He actually read a book by Thomas de Quincey, uh, a book called Suspiria de Profundis. And I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about the book. I looked it up on uh, Wikipedia. I looked it up on a couple of other sites just to kind of get some you know, background story on it. Basically, what it was is, let me, let me read my notes here. Uh, just as there are three fates and three graces, there are three sorrows. And so this book was about, you know, and the difference is, is that in De Quincey's tale, the three sorrows represent the dark side of human nature, but they also work for God because, you know, every human has a, has a light side and a dark side. Argento simplified this by just saying, oh, these are three badass witches, you know, that want to destroy the world. But another thing I learned from that, uh, from, you know, tr- kind of getting the background of that book is De Quincey's first book. I can't remember what it was called, darn it. I could have told you yesterday. But his first book was completely about opium, the experience that you have when you're on opium, and the, and the effects that it has on you. And in Suspiria, you can see that's why it was so surreal. You know? And that's why it was so weird, almost like a dream state. Yeah. Because, because Argento was trying to kind of convey that, that kind of atmosphere. And in this one, was was kind of the same thing, not to the extent that it wasn't Suspiria, but there were still a lot of reds, a lot of blues, you know, that were just coming from, that, that, you know, wouldn't really occur naturally. It was a great movie, and I'm not saying it doesn't piece together well or flow well, but it's just hard to remember the different events and the different characters. There's a lot of side stories. No, there, and there are. Well, and the other thing it is... It makes it interesting. A lot of the girls, or a lot of the women that act in this, really looked the same. They did. And I had a hard time, and, and like I mentioned, well, I guess I didn't say it on the podcast, but there's a Sarah in every single one of these movies. Yeah. That's that's a decent character, or you know, a, an important character, and some of them die, and you know, Sarah in the last one does not. However, and then there's some weird stuff that goes on that kind of pieces these characters together. Because I thought Elise died in the second movie, right? But then she's in the third movie. So I, I, I you know, anyways, they, they, what I'm saying is they kind of look the same, so it's kind of hard to follow a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and they all have the same style of We've clothing got the 80s and hair that and, we mentioned. Yeah. And- but anyway, like I said, this was my favorite one out of the three. I give it a bone saw. What do you guys think? I, like like we said before, individually, I don't know if I would get. I would give the third one a bone saw for sure. I give. I give. I, you know, I'm going to give one individually itself. itself. The, the trilogy itself is definitely a bone saw. So I guess with that logic, I have to give it a bone saw. There you go. You're screwed. <laughs> Which I, I like. It. I no, mean, I, I yeah. I'd recommend it to people. Well, like Mike said, it, it pieced together the mythology and kind of developed the story instead of... So it wasn't just a a general horror flick with... I like the fact that he, he worked on the story and it right. had a, a solid story. It wasn't just hack and slash or whatever. Yeah, I agree. But it was hack and slash too. Well, there was some <laughs> awesome hack and slash and for the hack and slash fan, you're going to be very pleased. But th- this was very deep. I but think. substance. Yeah, substantive. So let's, uh, can I do my yeah, six do it, degrees man. first? All right, so Daria Nicolodi, I, I know I butchered the pronunciation on that, but, okay, so we start off with her, Daria Nicolodi, uh, who was in this movie. I don't, I don't know which character she was. Uh, I could look it up probably real quick. Anyway, she was in Inferno, uh, was also in Phenomenon, another Argento flick with uh, Jennifer Connelly, was in Dark Water with John C. Riley. And John C. Riley was in Magnolia with Alfred Molina. And Alfred Molina was in Spider-Man 2 with Bruce. That is crazy because I have a couple of those same guys. Really? This is Let's awesome. Hear it. Let's hear it. So I got there in six degrees. You've got 
Lee McCloskey, who plays Mark in Inferno. What, you know what's funny? Is I cannot believe you found someone besides... I, I, anyway, I didn't recognize anybody in this movie at all. Yeah. Anyway, I almost had to go the, th- the way of Dario Argento directed this movie, and he also directed that, and that would have been a cheat. Anyway, yeah, that's cheating. Ahead. So Lee McCloskey was in one episode of... Beverly Hills 90210. Holy cow. <laughs> Who is Luke Perry is in that. Yeah. And Luke Perry was in The Fifth Element with Ian Holm. Right. Ian Holm was Bilbo. in The Aviator with John C. Riley. All right. John C. Riley was in Magnolia with Tom Cruise. And let me guess, Tom Cruise was in... Vanilla Sky oh, with Kurt Russell. I thought you were going to go. No. I thought you were going to go. No cheating Austin this time, Powers. buddy. No, Tom Cruise was in Vanilla Sky with Kurt Russell, and Kurt Russell was in Sky High with Bruce Campbell. There you go. So now I've we used both, the Ant Bully and Sky High. We, we both my Bruce went Sky High for different movies. How many degrees was that? That was Just, six. Okay. You've got the, yeah, that was six. You can count them out. It's and if it were between the people. So Lee to Luke is one, Luke to Ian is two. And oh, John we C. Riley was three. John C. Riley to Tom Cruise was four. Tom Cruise to Kurt Russell was five. Kurt Russell to Bruce Campbell was six. And here's the deal: if it ever happens that we go seven, we're just going to act like we've always said it was seven. <laughs> so now it's time for the seven degrees. Of- no, I'm just yeah, yeah. We will not do that. I've got a who else said that for this movie? Uh, at the beginning, I think it was the sister said this. She says that book mentions a horrible odor, for example. And all around here, there's a very strange, bittersweet smell. And that was the book review for Madonna's book called Sex. Damn it. (laughs) On that note, we will take a quick break. This is Dead Mike. And this is Jeff from It Came From The Basement, the podcast. We're a podcast all about horror movies. We like to get drunk, debate, obscure points about obscure horror movies that you may or may not have seen, that you may or may not love, and that you may or may not hate, but we'd love to hear your opinion about them. Yeah, and uh, all the while, um, you know, we're going to try to say some big words and try to sound a lot smarter than we really are. But check us out at myspace.com slash basementpodcast. This podcast is heading for a disaster of biblical proportions. What do you mean, biblical what he means is Old Testament, Mike. Real Wrath of Pod type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the feeds. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. Dead podcasts rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass podcast hysteria. The Obscure 80s Podcast. Two bogus guys. One awesome decade. www.obscure80s.com all right, now we're going to talk about the third and final installment of the Three Mothers trilogy. This one is called The Mother of Tears. La Came out last year. Madre. La Terza Madre. Thanks, I Paul. That makes that. me want to eat spaghetti. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I didn't mention is Inferno got a 6.6 on IMDb, and Mother of Tears got a 5.6. So they've actually, on IMDb, their scores have been going down a little bit, but... Like I said, anything above a four, or excuse me, above a three, I'll watch. It's hard for me to say that. It's hard for me to think that they go. They continue to go down, just because I look at them on a whole, and I and I like them all. Right. I know why they went down. Why? Because what you have is people that got interested in these movies after they watched the third one, 
Yeah. Probably went back and watched the first two and then voted. You know, I don't know because this third installment hasn't had a large worldwide release. But uh, large enough that people that use the internet are the ones that are going may- back and voting. Yeah. Maybe, but this hasn't even been released in the U.S. Oh, really? Yeah, at all. And it's in English? Yeah, except for it hasn't had a wide release in the U.S. It's gone to a few festivals here and there, but it's never had a theatrical, uh, a wide-open theatrical release. And, I mean, it was kind of tough to get my hands on this one. I don't give the IMDb ratings any credit. I mean, I mean... I don't I don't ever look at that stuff because people other people's opinions are not mine pretty much and so you know like the blogs deep. and all these other things they're just so, no, I mean it, it, here's the deal though I I I totally agree with you and I mean sometimes I go to rotten tomatoes where <clears throat> excuse me regular people's uh reviews mixed with some professional movie reviewers re- reviews you know they give all their scores but there's one thing that I can take from them if if a movie's really shitty, you know, in the horror genre, IMDb usually reflects that. And and here's why. I mean, because I mean, with a normal movie, yeah, I'm sure that Titanic gets like a nine or something. Yeah, I hated Titanic. Right. But I don't make any judgments on regular movies through IMDb. But on horror movies, it's a bunch of dudes like me, who you know, typically, I mean, unless you're talking about some of the you know the 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 really famous ones. There are not going to be a lot of non-horror fans voting for La Terza Madre. You know, yeah, I, at least that's my take. I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but it, it, that's kind of what I think. It's kind of been my take on it. But like I said, anything below a three, I won't. I just will not watch. Really, I I don't know. Ever since Siskel and Ebrecht, who had their thumbs up their ass, <laughs> I I haven't listened to the, the critics' opinions. They just suck. Well, well it's because they always look for the. I mean, seriously, the ones that they, you look for, the ones that win the awards, the ones that people are recommending are the artsy, weird stuff for the most part that, that I, I just, I don't even want to watch. Well, the thing is, I very rarely take one person, regardless of the, whether they're a, pers- a regular person or a professional film critic, I never take one person's take on it. Where IMDb, you've, you've got, you know, That's sometimes thousands of people. That's why we got to bring together the three of us to yeah. talk about this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and that and that's the bottom line because you're right. I mean, I watched some of these movies with my wife, for instance. I loved La Terza Madre. My wife thought it was so dumb. Really? And uh, people like my wife are the ones that vote for like the big time horror movies, and I just cannot take their opinion. The thing that's totally different is the first time I watched this, I watched it with my wife, and it was late, and right. I fell asleep. You know, and all I heard was like murders. <laughs> and dreamed about that. Uh-huh. But my wife stayed up all night and watched it until like three. And and she liked it. Did she? Yeah. You know, let me give you an example to, to support Paul's point with IMDb. Sam and I one night went to go see Cloverfield. I hated Cloverfield. I did not like that I show. hated it. In fact, the first 30 minutes when all it was was these, you know, early 20 kids, early tw- kids in the early 20s uh, going around having a party. I did not give a shit. About any of them, I was hoping they would all die. <laughs> I'm serious. He, he, he said, "If this doesn't get better, I'm leaving." Yeah, and <laughs> the the sad thing is, is Sam drove, so I was screwed. <laughs> I am sitting on the curb out in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, is and there there ended up being a couple of good parts. For instance, right when the monster showed up and the head of the of the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty comes 
dumping into the streets and it was loud and scary. But then it just fizzled out. I really hated that movie. IMDb, you know, and actually a lot of, of uh, horror fans on, on, I've heard on other podcasts and whatnot love this movie. They love it. I could not stand it. In fact, I got a copy of it and my wife watched it and I'm like, tell me if I'm stupid. Tell me if I was just in a bad mood that night. Because I, I will admit, sometimes when I am not in the right mood to watch a movie... Was that and the I night we got kicked out of the jazz game? That, that, that <laughs> was the night. We, in fact, that, and that may have been why I was so pissed off, is because we, we went to a Utah jazz game, Sam and I, and we got in a fight with the two dudes behind us because they kept spilling their beer on us. Well, it was a Captain Hook who sat behind the, you guys? Yeah, it was, <laughs> and yeah, it was a guy with a, without a hand, and he had a hook. And well, you, you know what? And... You know what, though? He, I've heard the story. He antagonized you first. Oh, I are mean, you kidding me? I never strike first, Paul. He was <laughs> spilling beer on you guys and yeah. all kinds of bullshit. And then he was, they were just drunk. Basically. And they were just being idiots. And it pissed me off. And then we go see this movie. And, but the thing is, is, I watched it again with my wife. Well, I was kind of watching it. I was in the room working on my laptop as it was on. And I, I just hated it. Anyway. We'll get off of the IMDb thing. We'll leave Cloverfield alone because now. Well, but <laughs> you didn't say what it got on IMDb. Well, let's let's look real quick. Oh, I thought you I thought you were gonna do. This. Mike did. All right, I just looked like. on IMDb, and it got a seven point six. Oh my god! And and that is that's, that's pretty high. high. And I I just hated this movie. And you know what the problem is is there's probably some of our listeners who really like that movie. I'm I'm not I'm not telling you that you should hate this movie. I'm just saying that I hated it. You know, I, I'm not really. That interested in the whole shaky cam, uh, you know. Yeah, type the of new filming they're doing and stuff. Well, just so you know, I we started this podcast based on a recommendation I gave Mike that I did because people go to Mike to get his take on horror flicks, and and <laughs> that's just something he's kind of developed over the years. And and so I didn't watch Cloverfield based on Mike's opinion and and a comment from the director who was basically like. Well, Japan has this terror monster, and I wanted to give the U.S. one. Right. And I was like, I'm not watching it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to spend... I mean, we've already... I wish we put that into its own episode, because I could bitch about this movie for well, two maybe hours. We should do a bitch episode, because <laughs> there's plenty. Take it for what you will. If you don't agree with me, I'm sure that we get some emails <laughs> about it. It's part for the course. We bitch about a movie almost every episode. That isn't on topic. And unfortunately, we picked three movies that we all liked, so what were we going to bitch about? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Sam, why don't don't you break down uh, The Third Mother for us? The Third Mother. So this movie starts out in a graveyard where it's during the day, though, and these priests are watching over this uh, excavation of burial sites because I guess they're going to build on top of it or something's going on. But they excavate this grave that's got an urn on top of it, and as they open it up, the, the Monsignor, he ends up recognizing what the body is, and so he tells him to bury the body somewhere else, but he's taking the urn with him. Well, he kind of breaks away and sees that this guy's really disturbed. He's now sealing the urn. It's nighttime, and he's sealing it with wax from a candle, which would take for freaking ever, but yeah. he ended up doing it. As he's writing this letter, and you can hear it in the background, what, it, what this letter is, he's writing to this guy. He's like, hey, I hope this isn't what I think it is, but I have a feeling that it is. I need you to take a look at it. And he's going to send it to this director of uh, archaeology or something like that. So it ends up being sent. Well, the director of archaeology is not there, but his assistants, who ends up being uh, Asia Argento, who plays Sarah, uh, oh, yeah. is, is there. 
and also her friend is with her as well. And so they decide, hey, well, you know, we won't open the letter because that's somebody's mail, but let's open this because it's awesome. I'm sure we want to get a head start. They open it up, and they, they find some figurines that have some runes on them, and they can kind of read them. And also this uh, talisman, well, they call it a talisman, but it looks like a kind of a shirt type right. thing. Right. So ends up where um, the, the, the main helper tells Sarah to go get a dictionary so they can translate it. Well, Sarah comes back and overhears some noises, comes to find out that her friend's being murdered. So she takes off running, and so she starts getting chased by these witches. Well, in the meantime, the world's – this is in Rome now, and so the world's kind of coming to an end. There's there's some – you see some disturbing things going on of, of uh, behavior by people. Um, so you can tell that the, the witch is kind of coming out, and, and she's now – come back and they kind of they kind of right. go back and forth between where she's come back is this beautiful uh this beautiful woman and they put the talisman over the top for this shirt in this fantastic way so that you yeah so you get to see all sorts of good stuff Sweet. um so so the rest <laughs> of the movie is is sarah running away from it she has the cops involved because her friend was brutally murdered which yeah. we get into so the cops are after her, and then the people that she rely on get killed or, or kind of coerced into some stuff and so and then it, it all comes to a head at the end but that just a general storyline that's it and this one this one isn't as story laden as inferno i mean you get into a little bit of the three mothers mythology it, it, you know you talk about it throughout but this could stand alone by itself I right think, too. and oh, i think yeah, they absolutely. had to do that yeah. they, couldn't rely on the story they set out in number two because it was so long. Right. One thing that's very interesting that we did find out in this episode, uh, or excuse me, in this in the third sequel, was that in Suspiria the witch in there was horribly burned and horribly you know disfigured. We find out that Asia's mother was actually a white witch attempted to kill Mater Suspiriorum, actually tried to set her on fire, and that's why she was so ugly. Oh. In the first movie, you know. By the way, we did not mention this. Susie, I can't. Jessica Harper from Suspiria claims that the person who went uncredited, who played the witch in Suspiria, was right. actually a ninety-year-old hooker that Argento just brought to the set one day because she snored horribly. <laughs> ex hooker. <laughs> by the way, I heard ex hooker. And he knew from experience that she snored. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> wow. Sick. Well, and I will tell you, a ninety-year-old. If she was still in business, ouch. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, so she went uncredited because she thing. was never really seen until she was murdered. Right. Well, uh, she wasn't even really seen then. Right. It was like a bump. It. You yeah. You she looked like the mother in Evil Dead Two that was down in the pit, <laughs> down in the cellar. She looked did. a lot like her. One thing throughout this movie that that really kind of was a cool feature that creeped me out was at the beginning when it's sarah is running there's a monkey chasing her a baboon that, a baboon yeah that that guy was creepy and every time I, I it got agree. bad he showed up and and he made the weird hissing noise i've yeah. never seen monkeys do that yeah. but that you know that was creepy that was creepy he ended you, up tangled in her hair that was the only second creepiest baboon scene in all horror movies What's the first one there in the omen damien and his parents are driving through this nature park and a oh, bunch of baboons attack yeah. the car but there were tons of them. Those, and since then, I, I, I mean, I made the connection in the movies. But those are mean sons of bees. Yeah, they are. They are. they are. And they have those fangs. They're mean. This is a side note. I also watched a show. I can't. Remember, I think it was called Mafia with Jay Moore in it. He was. Uh, it was kind of a spoof of the Godfather series. He 
he walked into this party and he's introducing everybody to his girlfriend. He said, hey, yo, this is Joe, big red ass baboon on his head. Walks in. There's a baboon with its ass is as big as its whole body. Anyways, those are the three most disturbing baboon scenes of all time. Nice. Any, anyway, sorry to, to pull us into there. No, that's... In in La Terza Madre, we get a little bit more into a lot... We see a lot more witchcraft than we have ever in, in fact, any of the other movies. Go, go on, There's the people at the beginning where they're actually clothing the uh, right. the mother of tears. She's hot. She, um, we mentioned that, but it, there's a pan scene where it pans her whole body as the talisman or whatever that thing, her shirt, it stops just below her butt cheeks. And Paul, I'm becoming aroused. Yeah, do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was great. And and so you see a lot of witchcraft, in, and there's actually quite a bit of followers, which we don't get from the other movies. Well, and this is kind of how I thought about this and tell me what you think because i i just kind of got this feeling it seemed like once la terza madre was awakened there was kind of a call put out to all of the fo- of all of her followers all of these witches and these these were kind of these covens were showing up and they're walking through like the streets of rome and through the bus station they were annoying they were right well they cackled know, like all, witches yeah. i think the difference is like i said tell me if you agree or not that I'm thinking that this is more of an apocalyptic type of situation where, hi, we are gathering and we are going to take this place down. Well, it definitely was because they started, you know, there's one scene where the director of the archaeology thing is, is leafing through news stories of different behaviors. You're seeing different behaviors, which yeah. are absolutely the most disturbing I've seen on film happening throughout this movie. I mean, shocking behaviors. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. So I definitely think that that apocalyptic feel is is there. And I like this movie a lot for that reason. Just because here we go, we're going to we're going we're not going to give the end away because like like we said that most people probably have not seen this just because it's so new and it hasn't had a wide release. At least a lot of people in North America I actually don't know if it's been released in Canada. I have been looking out for theaters for this and I did for a lot of uh, I I guess a year, but a lot of months and it never showed up. I read about it in Fangoria and whatnot, and it, it never ended up coming to theaters. We were lucky enough to get a copy of it, and I'm really glad I did. It, it really set the tone with the first death scene. Right. Oh, with, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe they're choking her with their own guts. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, yeah. you know. We're talking about the. We're talking about the assistant there with the Reggie Argento. One part, my wife stops, and she's like. Are they choking her with her own guts? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, they inserted that thing into her mouth to cut out tongue or whatever oh, yeah. they were doing. Uh, but I was happy they did that because that actually, now I know, how the Joker got his scars. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> so that was good for that. No, but it was, it, was, it was so violent, that first part. And so for the rest of the movie, I'm like, wow. Yeah. If that's the way these things are going... That is pretty spectacular. I mean, guts spilling out of her torn stomach as she's trying to hold them in. Oh, yeah. She's stumbling around, and then they choke her with it. Oh, that was awesome. She's trying to put them back in. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. From there, Sarah gets accused by the police of the right. murder, right? And so she's running from from the witches. She's running from the police. And there's a, some cool scenes as she's running. She knows she needs help, and... She has nowhere to go. Right. And she, she goes to this train station, and she ends up in a bookstore, and she's just trying to get away. Everybody's chasing her. The cameras see her. Right. And the police know she's there. The witches know through their we witch al- power that she's there. 
we also find out that, like I mentioned, her mother was a white witch, and she had these powers too. And she used these to hide from police, and you know, and it had a lot to do with the ending. Yeah, her mother teaches her on while she's on the run about her witch powers oh, or that's white right. witch powers. And there's a cool scene where she is in the corner of the bookstore. The cops right. are in the bookstore. They know she's in there. They know there's no way out, and they're searching for her. And she just crawls into this corner, and the the voice at the beginning gets her out of the building with the monkey chasing her. And she, anyways, this voice tells her to go invisible somehow, and or to just hold still, and she won't be seen. You know what that scene reminded me of? You guys ever seen Grandma's Boy? No. Where where the lead programmer (laughs) (laughs) was wearing complete black leather, (laughs) and then put it, it leans up against the wall, puts his leg up against the wall, and he's shocked when people can still see him. I thought of that part. But anyway, (laughs) you got to see Grandma's Boy is a definite recommend. If we were doing a comedy podcast. (laughs) Grandma's Boy would be on it. So she hides from the police. They like the cop is has his chest in her face and everything. And yeah, he can't see her. And it was it was kind of a suspenseful part, just because yeah, it's he's right there, he's right on her. There was not a lot about this movie I did not like. My wife said, "Oh, the acting was poor, and this and that." I have no complaints. I don't either. I don't know that the acting was poor. I mean, I felt like that they were characters that got into it, like when the the father loses his son and stuff. Right. I mean, I, and I thought Asia Argento did a fine job. Yeah, me Better too. than she did with Triple X. Yeah. <laughs> Triple X, the movie starring that other bald guy. Vin Diesel. Not Vin uh, Diesel. Anyway. Vin Diesel makes me want to have a uterus just to have his children. There was, <laughs> there was the cops chasing her, and there was also this hot Asian um, witch. I, you, I wait liked a second. Her. Wait a hot? second. Wait a I liked second. Her. You thought <laughs> wow. she was hot, dude? I got a thing for Asians. And Let me tell you, I under, I can understand that, but she, the only time she was she hotter was punk. is when her eyeball got popped out when <laughs> she got slammed into in the, the door. That's the only time she door was hotter. Door of the subway or the train yeah. or whatever. Wow. That's a theme. Actually. Oh, that's a bold statement. Now everyone's going to watch that and think, wow, Paul's a sick son of a bee. You know what? That <laughs> is true. Yeah. I'm well, not going right. to deny that. But did she killed the cop, the Asian witch. Yeah. And then she got killed by Sarah. Yep. That was awesome too, because she's in the bathroom, scared, scared shitless. Yeah, and she, the witch opens the door, and you know she's screwed, and you can kind of see her hiding against the wall. Yeah. you think the witch, the witch doesn't see her, and you think she's gonna get away, and all of a sudden she like pops her head in, and is like, ah! And Sarah slams her head. <laughs> Paul pulls the out door. the Howard Dean, and then she wasn't hot anymore. <laughs> Have we used that joke no. before on this podcast? <laughs> no, that's anyway. funny. I don't, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. We're we're going long, so we need to move on. But in my opinion, all three of these individually and all together get a bone saw. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I am dropping that one. I agree. Do it. <laughs> Paul's like <laughs> I say together. Yes. Okay. Well, then let let's finish this up with the six degrees. Can I go first again, Sam? Uh, Asia Argento, who was in. La Terza Madre, was in Land of the Dead with Dennis Hopper, who was in a documentary called James Dean, the First American Teenager, with Stacey Keach, who was in Man with the Screaming Brain with none other than Bruce Campbell. Sweet action. All right, I've got, I've got a couple of things here. I'm going to forgo the who else said that because they're weak. Okay. I, uh, we've, we've, uh, we've Have we hurt your feelings that. enough? No, they just are. I just don't want to do it because I got other stuff here. Well, that's we threw funny. We, we we threw this one together. Yeah. No. In well, the last minute. Well, so. and like I said, you kind of got to spread it out. So we have sure. some other things. So I've got a couple things here. Um, 
my six degrees, it's actually five of them. I've got Asia Argento was in uh, Go Go Tales with Bob Hoskins, who was in Enemy at the Gate with Rachel Weiss, who was in The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, who was in Bedazzled with Elizabeth Hurley, who was in Serving Sarah with Bruce Campbell. Nice. Like it. So the other thing I've got here is, let's see, what did I learn from this movie? And you'll probably have to watch the movie to know what I'm talking about. But eating something from someone's ass is never okay. <laughs> you know, I was gonna, it's I was gonna okay. mention that part, but then <laughs> I, I thought, nah, I don't, I don't know how to delicately bring that well, up without dropping a that's ball. That's what I learned. <laughs> Taking a girl's shirt off can kill her. <laughs> that is sad news. And the other thing is, is that when all your friends die and the world's coming to end, the death and destruction is hilarious. <laughs> the well, don't, I won't give it away. Don't give anything <laughs> away. Let's say watch the show. Right, let's just yeah. say there was a now, ten, ten minute part where I laughed my balls off. Yeah, me too. Now there's another thing here that I've done for Paul. This is all for Paul that I have done, oh, and no, I am now great. instigating for it the mammary count. Yeah. <laughs> so what I have done is in this movie, and all because of this, we're starting it every time that they moved to a different scene, even if it was just a different angle. Every time I saw mammaries, I counted it. Oh, great. I don't count artwork. It has to be real memories. So this gets a 26. No shit. On the memory count Holy as crap. far as like different different angles. Like there were a couple with uh, the Madre that uh, there was, you know, three yeah, or four. Sure. But there's 26 I counted. Really? I do wow. not remember that. So either. I'm going to be doing that for every movie from now on. We'll get a memory count. Holy crap. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Paul should have been the one doing that. But you Maybe know. we will have Paul do it, but <laughs> I did it for him this time great. just in his honor. All right, so that is the Three Mothers trilogy. Uh, let's move on to some feedback that we got. We got a call, some voicemail from a listener who uh, actually heard our last episode and we talked about a couple of the personal experiences that we've had with supposedly real... Supernatural. Supernatural. And uh, let's go ahead and listen to that. Hey there, guys. Um, my name is Zach. Um, I'm a new listener. Um, I guess it's kind of a new podcast, so it's kind of an idiotism. But anyway, um, I've been listening since the first episode, and I love you guys' show. I do listen to a lot of horror podcasts, and I have to admit that I'm hooked on yours. Um, so I plan on listening to all the episodes that you plan on doing. Um, anyway, I just listened to your Exorcist um, podcast or Devils versus Priest podcast, um, and at the very end, you were mentioning about ghost stories and believing in the supernatural. Um, I personally do believe in the supernatural. Um, I have actually seen a ghost. Um, I don't believe in aliens because I've never seen them. Um, I'm not very religious. But I do believe that, you know, there is a God and there is a devil. Um, So the exorcist did scare me. Um, It it was more disturbing than scary, but, you know. Um, Anyway, um, I have kind of a story. I wouldn't say it's a scary story, but I wanted to share it with you guys since I haven't really shared it with anyone else. Um, When I was, I don't remember how old I was, but I was with my cousin. and we're at like a scout, um, Cub Scout thing, something like that. Um, I was hanging out with my cousin and my aunt, and we're in this old, really old school that they don't kind of a. I think it was a used to be a private school, um, but anyway, 
I heard my aunt told me the story about this Indian, how the school was built on an Indian burial ground. And, um, you know, she was telling me that maybe, you know, the spirits were still there. And so I was kind of wandering around because I wasn't really a Cub Scout. I was just there, you know, hanging out with my cousin. He was doing his scout thing. Anyway, um, I was looking out the window, and I look over into the other section of the of the school through another window, and I see this image walking by through the window. All I remember is that it was it looked like an Indian, and so ever since then I've always believed in ghosts. Um, anyway, I just wanted to share that. Um, it did creep me out. Um, I don't remember. All I know is it, you know, obviously affected me enough that I've remembered it for, you know, probably 15, you know, going on 20 years. Um, anyway, um, keep up the good show, and I'll talk to you later. All right, so it's at least at least I know it's not just me and Sam, which which is nice to know because you don't want to be the only one in the world that's seeing this this stuff. Then you start questioning. Well, and and here's another. Told us the story. It's hard to tell how much it affected you. Like when we talked about the story last time, it freaked me out. I'm sure Nick had the same kind of feeling. He was, I mean, it sounded like he got pretty scared about it. Anyway, we we appreciate the voicemail. Keep listening. We we really love feedback. I I love our voicemail feature. I'm glad you found that. I'm glad you put it up. That's free. <laughs> you know, you got these pop filters, so you can't hear my obscene phone call voice anymore. <laughs> right. I might call in on the voicemail. Yeah, no, there were there were a couple of that episodes that, that we had that Paul was like, <laughs> <laughs> Paul actually had something to to bring up as we finished up the show. You know, I was I was starting to think about some things I could bring to the show, and I I was thinking maybe we should look at some horror in the news. So I looked up some articles today, and I read an article from some author, Joe Sicari at WickedLocal.com. So he writes about how. Hollywood should realize that these Asian, these East Asian movies are better off being done there from East Asia. And I wanted to get your guys' take on that. Let's start off by addressing kind of how big of a phenomenon it's been. I mean, we started off with, I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but but to my knowledge, The Ring was the kind Ring. of the first the first movie that was... Uh, remain to a full Hollywood, you know, remake. I love the Ring me- remake, and that actually made me go back to watch Ringu, and I did not like Ringu as much. Yeah, I I haven't watched Ringu. I love the Ring. I think uh-huh. it my scariest movie of all time. I think still creeps me out. Samara coming out of the TV, right? I shit my pants every <laughs> time. If I even think about it late at night, and we're watching TV, I'm like, turn it off. Turn it off. The phone rings. Oh, shit. We're in trouble. <laughs> He's lying. It's actually his wife is like, Paul, did you shit your pants again? <laughs> yeah. No, I watched The Ring. I promise. <laughs> as far as the whole situation is concerned, I don't have a problem with remaking movies here. Well, I, I don't at all for a couple of reasons. First of all, even the crappier remakes that we get here, let me know that there is a movie in Asia that's been made at all. For instance, I watched Dark Water with uh, Jennifer Connelly, and I hated it. It's I, I thought it was pure crap, but I was reading a little bit about it, and it said, you know, and I was kind of reading about the the original. I went and watched the original, and it was a lot better, you yeah. know? But 
without the remake, I never would have saw the other one. To me, I don't, I don't mind all the remakes. I don't at all. My take on this is that money is going to speak for itself. Where you've got this guy that's going to write an article saying, did he have an opinion? Yeah, he said leave it to them to do it. Don't bring it over Listen, here. Don't we, remake them. Here, here's, here's my thinking on that. And it, just stay with me while I do this. Soccer is the, is the number one sport in the world, but Americans don't accept it as the number one sport. No, I'm just kidding. So what you have is is that I don't think you're going to get Americans that are going to watch subtitled movies most of the time. They're just not going to do it. So right. how do you introduce that there's a movie like The Ring or The Grudge or Dark Water or something like that going on over in Europe when, the, when you know, really we're kind of closed-minded when it comes yeah. to that. Like Mike says, once we know that that's there, I think we're a little bit more open to I watched – it was funny because I, I watched The Grudge, which scared me. That's To me, that's scarier than The Ring. But I was flipping through my on-demand on my cable, and I saw this – it was a Japanese horror film called One Missed Call. And so I, I checked it out, and it was a scary, scary show in right. the same genre that you get with The Grudge with the spider walking of people and, you know – People, all of a sudden, you get movement out of the corner of your eye that you don't know is there until it moves, body parts are moving. That show was very, very scary. Now, I know that recently, this was a couple years ago when I watched it, but recently they, they've remade that. I have no problem with that. And the other thing is, those things are making money. That's, well, and, and they're going to continue to do it until they stop making money. That's exactly right. Right, which is never going to happen. They're going to make money. And they're basically, I'm kind of with you guys. It lets me know about it. I'm, I don't have the time to research every horror movie that comes out especially in japan but they have some fresh scary shit ideas yeah i applaud it coming here and and i think we just look at it from the view that the greatest form of a compliment is reproducing it or whatever mimicking it and maybe they don't do as good a job and maybe hollywood takes some cheap shortcuts in the ones they bring here and this guy was talking about mirrors i haven't seen it yet but Maybe you know, maybe it's not as good as the original one. Well, but the other but thing we should check them both out and that's then right. compare it. The other thing too is Hollywood is a hypocrite, or you know, if they're going to do this type of stuff because they're remaking themselves all the time. You've got right. remakes of old movies. How many times have you seen a zombie movie? How many right. times have you seen a vampire movie? Well, and that's and that's a point I, I was going to bring up because there's a lot of people complaining about oh Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween. They're all getting remade. Why don't we just leave them alone? Well, let's put it this way, folks. They're going to get remade whether they're named Friday the 13th or Halloween or not. And just because they remake it does not mean that you don't have those, the original series to go back to, you know. And, I mean, tell me, I want to know why people get so, because people get, I mean, I guess it's a personal thing to them. They get really mad about it. And I just don't get it. If if I'm not, if I don't want to watch a remake uh, because I hold something too close to my heart, I'm not going to watch it. That's that right. does not take anything away from me. No, right. you're still going to like the originals, and you're going to think that they were really great because you had that emotional tie to it when you first watched it. I mean, that's right. what made. It. So the remakes just is, it's another take on it, like you know, with Halloween. You know, that was brutal, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Right. But it, I think it was good. But I don't think you're going to take away from the original. I, Halloween. I think it was okay. I I uh, don't think it was better than the original by any by any means. But it was different. But well, and the, and the thing is, is even though I watched that. It didn't affect how I felt about the originals. That's my point. And that's the bottom line, I think. But again, I think a lot of, a lot of what people have a problem with is that they feel like these series are sacred and they should never be remade because why remake a perfect film 
Well, I'll tell you why. Because the kids, like younger kids now, don't have that same nostalgic attachment to them, you know. And, and and maybe someone who goes out, you know, who's seventeen or yeah. eighteen, goes out, watches, uh, wasn't alive in nineteen seventy eight when uh, the original Halloween came out, and all they've really been able to watch is the is the Halloween with uh, Busta Rhymes in it, and they think it's all bullcrap because that movie sucked. But here's the bottom line. They're going to watch this, and they're going to think, wow, you know what? Maybe let's go check out the original. They'll go check out the original. And I don't think that they're ever going to feel the same way, for instance, I do about these, because the 80s were a completely different time, completely different feeling, and they will just not understand that. Just like I don't understand kids now. I mean, I'm not that freaking old. But since when did it become cool to dance when you're in high school and not get your balls kicked in. Like my daughter <laughs> watches high school musical no. and I, I'm on, kind of on a rant, you know? <laughs> and it's funny cause I'll go down to the, the, the movie theater. It, it's kind of in this uh, entertainment complex and there'll be kids down there with a little dance mat, oh my you know, gosh. and they'll be like break dancing and stuff. And uh, it's not break dancing, but I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I don't remember. Maybe that's Only how it was in, in the eighties. Well, yeah, they maybe. did do the cardboard box thing and take about the break dancing. I, I don't know. know. All, all I know is is that if there were a kid in high school that did that shit, they got the crap kicked out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Back to the, the theme here is with remaking the movies, I don't know if I'm going to watch a dubbed movie. I mean, we watched these ones. And oh, they right. Were, they were dubbed well, but some of the Japanese ones, their language is so different. It's obvious it's dubbed, and, right. and the mood and atmosphere probably changes. I what? would much rather read those subtitles and watch and listen no. to the Japanese. And I, I would too. Than, than to have them dub it. <laughs> but, I just wouldn't. But the problem with subtitles is, for me at least, I, don't, I do not mind subtitles movies. In fact, I, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Devil's Backbone, uh, which you guys need to see. It's awesome. has subtitles. The problem with it is, is a lot of times I'll throw on a movie just to be on. You know, it'll be on. I'll be working on the computer. I'll be, you know, doing something else. And, you know, just to have something in the background or, you know, that I kind of want to watch, but I cannot give my full attention to. And this just disqualifies those movies for me right off the bat. Yeah. And that doesn't make them worse. That doesn't make... It just means that they need a little bit more attention. A lot of times I just don't have the time to give them the attention that they need. Well, and, you should see Mike's music library because... Movie. Uh, yeah, and music library, but <laughs> movie library in this case because I can see how he, he just doesn't have the time, and most people don't. I watch everything that's new, but I'm not really one to go check out all the old stuff. Right, and 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 that's the thing. In fact, right now I'm, I've been watching a lot of uh, French movies that I actually watch them with with the voiceovers, and you can, you know, it, it just doesn't give you the same type of thing, and it kind of sucks. But I just I just don't have time to sit and and read the whole thing, and that, and that's the bottom line. I may be different than you know, and that that may be just me with that problem, and you know that's just how it is for me. So I say that if you think the Japanese or East Asian films should stay over in East Asia, f you. Yeah, I I do too. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe we should have a tally or a vote on our yeah. on our side. Oh, you can take but a vote, no, just but F just you. know that if you uh, if you, you vote if you vote that they should stay over us. there, you better not put your name on it because I'll say F you. I mean, honestly, and I I mean maybe we we were done with this with the F you that meant we were done. <laughs> but let, let's look at let's honestly let's take a look at some of the ones that have come out lately. One missed call sucked. The American one sucked. Uh, the eye, I did not like the eye even though I had Jessica Alba in it. I, I thought it was completely boring. 
and not nearly as scary as the original. Shudder, boring, you know. But who cares? I now know that there is a Shudder made by some, you know, an Asian company that I can go watch, and I haven't been able to see see it yet. And you got to realize, like we talked about earlier, the almighty buck is going, and you're in the minority if you don't think those movies should be coming over here because they're making money. And I think a lot of what it is, too, is that these movies where in Asia they're being made just as straight up, hi, we're going to scare you. Here they come over, they get the PG-13 treatment, and their their main focus is for you know teenagers going out on a date, which I am I am too I'm way past that stage of my life, and I, I think that's it. By the way, that reminds me of a topic last week about Natasha Kinski. I found out a remedy to figure out how old she is. Oh, let's hear it. Hack off her leg and count the rings. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> you just edit that out. Good one. <laughs> Seems like we've uh, got a lot of topics off our chest, so to speak. All right, is there anything else we have to say as if we haven't said enough this episode? This one went long, but I think it was good. I had fun doing it, whether it was good or not. So let's just uh, do a little bit of cleanup. Uh, Make sure I'm going to go ahead and play a death scene right now.
did you get it? Because if you send it in, we will get you a nice prize. And in fact, I owe a couple of people some prizes, and we are waiting to get a couple of extra parts in so we can send those out. But those are on their way. Basically, what that means is I bought a CD cover maker, and uh, we're going to be sending them out prize DVDs. But uh, go ahead and visit us on cadaverlab.com. Hop on the forums. We haven't had a lot of uh, activity up there at all yet. Go up there. Let's start talking some crap. I don't know. Whatever you want. You can uh, always give us a voicemail. We would love to play your voicemail. Uh, Area code 206-339-2730. 206-339-2730. And if you would like to contact us, you can always go to cadaverlab.com. Click on the contact link. Or you can email us directly at feedback at cadaverlab.com. And also, one thing that we, if you want to contact someone uh, directly, you can always email Paul, Sam, Mike, or Jeff at cadaverlab.com. There's no funny spellings, and so just go from there. Hey, how, what trivias are still available? Uh, nobody, yeah. And up oh, for that, grabs. That's a, that's a good point to bring up. We have not had anybody besides Paul thinks he did. <laughs> win any of the of the trivia so in uh, go ahead and get on there go to cadaverlab.com click on the trivia link go ahead and put your email and your name in there and uh we'll have wonderful prizes for you apparently for everybody else in the world it's try as many times as you like until you get it right yeah but for me try once and then i fail well that's because we <laughs> paul's like has inside information anyways until next time i am mike Paul. And I'm Sam. We'll see ya later. <laughs>